In one week, very hard to follow that, I know. In one week, next Shabbat, the third annual Women's March will take place in Washington, D.C. and in cities across the country. When Donald Trump was elected in November 2016, the outrage from women, many women in this country, was intense and immense. On January 21st, 2017, the day after his inauguration, the Women's March was born and almost one million people came to resist. That march drew the largest gathering of protest in the history of this country. Between three and five million people participated in the marches all over the United States, almost 1.6% of the United States population. Worldwide participation has been estimated at over seven million people. At least 408 marches were reported to have been planned in the US and 168 in 81 other countries. And after the marches, the organizers reported that around 673 marches took place worldwide on seven continents, 29 in Canada, 20 in Mexico, and even one in Antarctica. The organization's website states that they wanted to adhere to the nonviolent ideology of the civil rights movement. Following the march, the organizers of the Women's March on Washington posted the 10 actions for the first 100 days campaign for joint activism. It's been a long 100 days. As a congregation and as a Jewish community, we showed up both in DC and here in San Francisco for both the first and the second marches. And now with a third march happening next Shabbat, we are faced with a serious decision. And I believe whether or not we march as a Jewish community will have serious repercussions for us as Americans and as Jews. Like it or not, Uncomfortable as it is, the focus on anti-Semitism in the leadership ranks of the Women's March shines a spotlight not only on that leadership, but on us as a Jewish community. In a way, it poses serious questions of identity for us. Who are we? American Jews, Jewish Americans. Are we with American women? Are we considered American women as Jews? Are we part of a privileged white minority? Are we also people of color? Or are we just other right now? Who are the Jews today? And we also have to ask, who are our allies? Certainly, the lines blurring between anti-Semitism and anti-Zionism have brought up many, many questions in these past few months within our community. I have personally struggled a great deal about the Women's March. I felt so much pride the first march when I marched with members of our temple, mothers and daughters, grandmothers and granddaughters, and our male allies marching with us, dads and brothers, husbands and sons. So after reading and listening and talking and fighting, how do we respond to the allegations of anti-Semitism in the leaders of the Women's March? Can we ignore it? Not possible. Can we give up on the march and just not attend? Not possible, not for me. So I did whatever I do when I'm struggling. I turn to the Torah, get a big cup of coffee, and I delve into the text. And so I didn't have to go very far. In these weeks, which focus on the Exodus story, I found three very important texts which helped me make my decision. The first one is when Moses is struggling to bring God's presence to the Jewish people. And he has almost given up. And he finally says to God, can you please at least tell me your name? We can't see you. 
I'm the only one who can talk to you. These people don't know who you are. Can you please at least tell me your name? And God says, okay, tell the Israelite people, Eheyeh Asher Eheyeh sent you. There's no facial expressions in the Torah, but I can only imagine Moses saying, Ehe what? Eheyeh Asher Eheyeh? God, did you make that up? And God probably said, yes, I made it up. It's my name. Eheyeh Asher Eheyeh means literally, I will be what I will be. But I've always tried to re-understand or reimagine that idea, not as I will be what I will be, but that name that God gives Moses to identify God to the Jewish people is actually God saying, I will be what you make of me. Eheyeh asher eheyeh. I will be what you make of me. I will show up in the way that people show up, and that will be the presence of God. That was the first text for me that started shifting me. This week in Exodus 5, Parshad Bo, we hear, let my people go. Yeah, I, somebody really got that. Let my people go. It's, it's very emphatic. Let my people go. And when that outcry is heard and finally our people leave, it says in Exodus 12, and a mixed multitude also went up with them. So we have that sense of let my people go, Pharaoh's hardened heart in this week's portion. But then we also understand that the people who went free, the people who were liberated, weren't just us. It said a mixed multitude. And we have always been a mixed multitude. The Exodus story is begging us to be reminded of our past when there was not a singular Israelite or a singular Jewish community in the same way that we are not a singular Israelite or a singular Jewish community today in any sense of the word. Today we must remind ourselves of the mitzvah that's generated from the Exodus story. And it is commanded more than any other in the entire text. It's the commandment to care for the strangers. Atem hayitem gerim be'eretz mitzrayim. Not just to remember the stranger, but to remember that we were strangers in a strange land. And then when we think about committing ourselves to justice, to racial equality, even to that old notion that some people might call feminism, we're talking about women's rights are human rights, and that we're not divided in those moments that we resist. In all of these, the Torah expects the collective experience of the Jewish people to sensitize us to the plight of foreigners, of refugees, of anybody who considers themselves a stranger in some way. In addition to the Torah, I thought, after all of these allegations and after the bickering, I would call it, in the women's movement, the women's march, about anti-Semitism, I wondered what the leadership of the women's march would do. And so they gathered together with Jewish women and Jewish women of color, and they said, we did not put you in the unity principles, and we are sorry. And so the new unity principles of the women's march include Jewish women. And this is what they officially came out with as their statement. It's become clear amidst this media storm that our values and our messages have too often been lost. That loss, cost, that loss caused a lot of harm and a lot of pain. We should have been faster and clearer in helping people understand our values and our commitment to fighting anti-Semitism. We regret that. Every member of our movement matters to us, including our incredible Jewish and LGBTQ members. We are deeply sorry for the harm we have caused, but we see you, we love you, and we are fighting with you. Trying to dismantle oppression while working within systems of oppression is hard. We are deeply invested in building better and deeper relationships with the Jewish community, and we're committed to deepening relationships 
with any community who has felt left out of this movement, we want to create space where all are welcome. And they went on to say, we recognize the danger of hate rhetoric by public figures. We want to say emphatically that we do not support or endorse statements made by Minister Louis Farrakhan about women, Jewish, and LGBT communities. That is their official stance after meeting with many Jewish women in the past few months. So with those Exodus texts in mind, with my own meeting personally with Linda Sarsour, with coming forward and reading what the new platform was for the Women's March, I made the decision to not only march, but to help lead the Jewish contingent here in San Francisco. Here's why. I know that the leadership of the National March is not perfect. They have made mistakes. But I also know that I'm part of a 4,000-year-old tribe that at its heart believes fervently in liberation for all people, not just us. And I know that every social justice and social change movement in this country has been fueled by Jews in partnership with other Americans who care deeply about equality and the power of a vibrant democracy. I'm not marching for the leadership of the Women's March. And I don't even believe that the Women's March is the only thing that defines the women's movement. It's only one expression of a belief that women's rights are truly human rights. So who am I marching for? I'm marching for my granddaughter. I don't have one yet. <laughs> Not that I know of. Um, I hope to one day, many years from now, be a grandmother. But I'm fighting and walking and marching and resisting for our grandchildren, for their rights, and for a tomorrow that we're dreaming of them right now. I want to be able to tell my own grandchildren that I kept marching, that I was part of a community who kept pushing through our differences to keep the focus on women's rights, and I did not let the divisiveness within or the more powerful attempts to discredit the women's movement from without to define us. So I invite you, men and women, parents, grandparents, children, teenagers, spouses, Jews of color, queer Jews, Jewish or just Jewy, or even just a friend of the Jews, if you want to be counted and join the clergy, we're going to be there on January 19th. I'm not marching in spite of anti-Semitism. I am marching to combat anti-Semitism. And I am marching to combat any ism that impacts any woman in this country and in this world. Well, I meet people along the way with whom I disagree. I do every single day, so they'll be there on the march. Well, I hope to be able to build a bridge to reach across to that person. I think I will. This week I was interviewed by Haaretz for an article focusing on the women who will march and the women who won't march. The journalist asked me, are you bringing a sign to the march in San Francisco and what will be written on it? I told her, this is my sign. It's my pink yarmulke that was crocheted by a congregant. It has um, ears on it. My pink kippah is my sign. At the first march in San Francisco, I went to the morning in Oakland and the afternoon in San Francisco. And in Oakland, two people came up to me and they said, that's so cute. And one said, did you run out of yarn? <laughs> and that's why I'm going to wear it again. Because there are still people in San Francisco and in Oakland around this country who don't know what a yarmulke is. 
who don't know even what a Jew is and has never heard of a lesbian Jewish rabbi with a pink pussy yarmulke on at all. <laughs> Wearing a kippah in 2019 is becoming a radical act of courage, even here in San Francisco. It's my sign at the march that says, do Jewish women care about justice for all? Yes, we do. Shabbat Shalom.